0: It's got a full, great sear zone, so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on FishingBooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins.
1: Hey, this is Tyler. And this is KC. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. <laughs> What's happening, on my woods people? That is music from Lyle Blackburn and his band, Gulltown. Lyle let us use that music because Lyle is on the podcast today and we asked him. That's right. And
2: uh, if you don't know anything about music, when you're independent, right? Yeah. You have the rights to your music. Yeah.
1: You don't have to. Uh, a label would have your rights otherwise. So like big big artists that you know, typically... The label has the rights to their music, if not all of them, yeah. most of them. So yeah. um, you don't get to just willy-nilly throw your music wherever you want it. But <laughs> Those as
2: willy-nillies. As a, <laughs> but as
1: a, that's not willy-nilly. So uh, Lyle
2: <laughs> Lau is an expert on all things cryptic. He is a monster hunter, a musician, author, and all kinds of cool stuff. We'll have him on to talk a little bit more in a little bit. But uh, You think he's an expert on kryptonite? I bet. that's pretty cryptic you know we should have we should have asked him so much more stuff it was a long interview as he is because there's so many questions to be asked you know one of the things Tyler and I talked about before we got on this interview is that when we're talking to other whitetail people and other hunters in general like you kind of already know a lot of the same stuff so there's not quite as much to talk about there's still stuff we still have podcasts but like this it's like Pandora's box has exploded, <laughs> and Bigfoots are going everywhere. You know, like it is just, dude, so many cool things to talk about.
1: So many different ways to pluralize. Yeah, that's right. The word Bigfoot. Yeah. Because
2: uh, so, you just
1: said Bigfoots, but I'm pretty sure you said Big feet at some point too. Yeah. So uh, I like Big feet better though. Big socks. <laughs> big shoes. I've got, got Big feet. Yeah, that's you.
2: That's you. Yeah. Uh, dude. Speaking of Big feet. You uh, were selling some waiters on Facebook the other day, or t- recently. <laughs> nobody's so, going to no them because they size 14s. But why are you selling all your stuff,
1: Tyler? Because uh, I went through a bunch of my storage <laughs> unit and cleaned it up because it needed to have some more room in it, and I've mo- I'm moving everything out of my house right now. I am beat, like, dude. It's just like ridiculous. Because so one, so here's the here's the deal. Is like there's a few trees on my property right now. Well, actually, not a lot, but there's some in like my neighborhood and on my property that I kind of have access to that are just small trees that I can plant like oaks and groundsel and uh this one pine that I'm going to get I think. But like I only have a few days left before we close to get those trees. So, like, I'm in this whole moving mode, and I'm also in the same boat as, like, I got to get these trees, and then also if I don't plant them the same day, they're going to die a lot of times, you mm-hmm. know? So, I'm, like, it's just, it's crazy. It's been raining, which it rains every time we move. Last time we moved, it rained cats and dogs, and Chris and Jamie helped us move out all night, one night, the night before we closed. It's Just so, soaking wet, going through all our nasty stuff, you know, and just... I don't know. It's it's uh It's been a, a bit of a beat down. Luckily, today wasn't raining uh, very much, except for this morning a little bit. So, I've been moving everything out. I'm homeless pretty much officially starting tonight. All right. Like, I mean, we still got the home, but there's no bed or couch in it for us to sleep in. It's just a bunch of little things laying all over the floor that had to be cleaned up, thrown away, and that kind of thing. So.
2: <laughs> Isn't it funny how when you—I've moved a lot, right? And, and when you go to move in— like you move the big stuff, yeah, and then you move the boxes of stuff, and sooner or later you get to this point where you're just like, let's just throw all that away. <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> you much, know, like yeah. it's like probably like I don't know three or four boxes worth of junk. It's just like mm-hmm. I don't feel like moving there. Three or
1: four like, until you have a four and an eight year old, oh, and then it's like three or four hundred boxes of throwaway stuff.
2: I bet does the terrarium make the trip?
1: It will, I guess. Yeah, I, I imagine. But I'll tell you this, because the terrarium's like a decent piece of a decent article that my family owns yeah. compared to what literally is <laughs> under my couch. I don't know how... Kaylee and I don't know how our couch wasn't levitating off of the ground. It was so much stuff underneath.
2: Yeah. It. I believe
1: it. It was outrageous, dude. I believe it. It's still all sitting there pretty much, you know? I mean, yeah. some of it got swept and thrown away, but there's so much stuff, dude. And this is just a small space, which... You know, you still kind of got to, whether you got 2,000 feet or 567 square feet, you still got to have quite a bit of things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it takes some things to live that you have to have. Mm But uh, I guess we were just really efficient on how we put it all in there. It's kind of
2: like when you and your your wife and I have been talking about house plans, like the bigger your house is, the less per square foot it costs to build the house. Mm Mm-hmm. But overall, it's a higher dollar amount because you you gotta have like you have to have a kitchen sink no matter if you have a house your size or a mansion on right. the lake right. Um, but you know what? I'm still real sad that <laughs> that T Bone never came over and used the bathroom in that in that shop. Really? You remember when we were building the bathroom, we were talking about how, like, if we had bigger <laughs> friends come over, <laughs> are they going to be able to use bathroom? <laughs> yes, I do remember that. That's what we were going to say. I like, could not
1: figure these, out where you're one of these days T Bone's
2: going to come over, and yep. uh, have to you know, like that was going to be the place where like people were going to stay when they came into town to go hunting and yeah, stuff with yeah. us. Yeah,
1: that was the that was like the um, mother-in-law quarters that weren't used for the mother-in-law. Yeah. basically, and uh, yeah, T Bone. We just hadn't quite made friends with him yet. That's right,
2: T-Bone. You'll get to come over to the next place. Um, So, uh, whenever I pivot here, right? But whenever Mm -hmm. I was leaving home-Stephenville. Moving. Talking (laughs) about moving. The biggest move I ever made in my life is I moved from Sulphur Springs, Texas to College Station, Texas. And boy, what you talking about-a culture shock. But. um,
1: It wasn't as bad as mine. Probably not. Dude, it's No, a, it wasn't. At least at college station there's a few people that it look like It was country.
2: You. I went from like real country to like bro country, right? right. Yeah. You went from country to royalty. Royalty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But um so I'm the only child. I'm the only person kind of my age in my family. Uh me and my granddad have a real tight relationship. You know that. Um and uh you know he's spunkier 12 years ago than what he is now. He, my granddad offered two things to me to instead of moving off. He wasn't trying to talk me out of college or anything, but just kind of like, hey, you know, let's do this. One time he offered to buy me my own, like, legit, nice center console boat and so I could become a guide on the Texas coast. Mm-hmm. And I turned that down. Um, I kind of regret that one. Um, <laughs> was, eh, you know, a lot of good things. You know how that goes, mm-hmm. Right. If we're just going to take that snippet, right? Like, I I would like to have done that. That would have been cool. This other thing would have been cool, too. My granddad offered to um, tell me to postpone college for a year. We would both take a year off doing whatever we were doing, and we would go be Bigfoot researchers for one year, and he would finance the whole thing. (laughs) And I thought about it for like a week and and decided not to do (laughs) it. I did, dude. I thought about it uh, because, well,. I'm not gonna let y'all in on the the big the big secret, but for a while there, I was a big time believer in Bigfoot, <laughs> a big time believer, yeah, man, yeah. and so that's why I'm pretty excited to uh, do this podcast with with Lyle today because uh, this dude, well, I yeah, you know, I don't know if he's believer or not. We're going to you know talk to him and find out, but he definitely has dedicated a big part of his life to Bigfoot and mm-hmm. and a lot of other really interesting crazy things, and you know. Uh, as a lot of these podcasts are, this one's pre-recorded. We've already done this interview, but uh one of the things I find really interested, interesting about Lyle is that the human side of it means a lot to him. Like interviewing people, talking to people, like mm-hmm. that's the part that like means a lot. And I think that as I get older, as a as a deer hunter or as a hunter, elk hunter, or hog hunter, whatever, like yeah, it's fun to go on these like really crazy. uh trips were like I say like the Gila last year was you and i against the wilderness right um but it's also real cool to like go on hunts like our hog hunt this year or like kansas whenever there's a bunch of people in camp or whatever and like have that human quality to the hunt man mm-hmm. that's that's real cool and it makes it a different experience
1: yeah i agree man that's uh you know we talk about the slot and we have, but you know the the solo hunter kind of aspect is a is a big thing right now. um a lot of guys think that it's super cool to go out and accomplish something by themselves, whether that's you know back back country elk or or whatever it is and I'll tell you this, man, I was super pumped up when I shot my Texas buck this year, mm-hmm. but um. It would have been way more hype fest if you'd have been in the
3: tree with me. Yeah, you know what I what guarantee I mean? you that <laughs> like
1: Ooh it would boy. have been I was I was real stoked, but I wasn't like Nothing was coming out, and so like when st- when you start like vocalizing your excitement, it starts getting more and more, you know sometimes yeah. that's what would have happened if you had me in the tree with you, you know so
2: yeah, in nameless, you do this thing, and you're like <laughs> <laughs> I was it's I was shaking I had to let it out and oh,
1: like, It's so much fun. my head moved so fast, yeah, <laughs> during that yeah and
2: that's the that's kind of the cool thing too for as far as capturing things on video, like uh when there's two of us and we can just like talk about it it's very natural whenever you're by yourself yeah you have to like take these thoughts and try to like vocalize them in an interview so that it's not just you freaking out silently (laughs) just with a camera on you right so it's just not as natural
1: and you have to like you gotta like get the camera set up and the white balance set and exposure and everything or whatever you're doing like all different settings have to be right and by that point you're like not even thinking about what just happened yeah it's like man yeah, you, know, you lose a little bit of that hype, but yeah, yeah it was. I was still hype, but like, there's just something about the the um, social social aspect of hunting that is sometimes not very popular in some popular in some circles, and that's okay. I think it's cool to like challenge yourself to do something on your own sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. but like man i just i like hunting i like party hunting brian coke (laughs) that's right that's right
2: well uh speaking speaking of capturing things on film why don't we talk to lyle Mm. and see uh how many big feet he's got on on camera these days (laughs) okay let's do it
1: all right so now on the phone we've got author musician tv personality monster hunter i mean the list goes on and on this is lyle blackburn what's going on lyle hey not much thanks for having me yeah dude what's been happening lately man it's uh You live in Texas, right?
3: Right. Yeah, I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, so you know I've been just hanging out, locked down, uh, you know, watching horror movies and working on a new book. (laughs) Yeah, I hear
1: you. Yeah. So we're uh, we we live uh, just east of the Metroplex there, DFW. So we are uh, right up the road from you, man. Um, The weather's been pretty nice this spring, man. I don't know. I've heard some weird things about like. Uh, actually KC was telling me that a lot of people think that, uh, less cars on the road equals, uh, less heat for some reason. So, um, but I know, I know today it feels wonderful,
3: man. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm always grateful for any days when you can go outside and you not freeze or burn up. It's like that perfect zone. So <laughs> That's I'm right. digging it.
1: We get a little bit of both of that, man. It's tough here, but, uh, you know, being, being outdoors a lot, man, for, for us, you know, we have to deal with the, the weather a lot, and I'm sure you're in the same boat. Um, you know, we mentioned in the, in the intro here you're a monster hunter, um, but you grew up hunting, right? Like hunting uh, actual game animals and that
3: kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. My dad is just a, you know, lifelong hunter, so he was into deer hunting, uh, mostly with a bow. Um, and we did gun hunting. And when I was young, I liked to turkey hunt a lot. And, uh, so, you know, I've hunted, you know, turkey and deer and other things here and there with, uh, a little bit with a bow. I was mostly a gun guy, but, um, you know, I love the bow too.
1: Sure. You speak kind of past tense there. Do you not hunt anymore?
3: No, I really don't. Uh, I just, life became really Busy. And uh, when I became a musician, there was a lot of touring, and it seemed like almost every weekend, you know, I was playing or doing stuff. And so the lifestyle kind of uh, curtailed any sort of hunting. But I, I was always kind of into outdoors, even just camping and, you know, canoeing and stuff. So I kind of just got to where I would just enjoy the time in the outdoors rather than have to go. You know, you know, in a certain hunting season or any of that, I just kind of went, went, and did what it did. Sure, I got you. So,
1: I actually toured for almost ten years as well in a band. Uh, our bands are a little bit different. The first one I was in was actually probably a little more similar to what to what you do. Uh, but man, uh, seems like a lot of people are pretty attracted to to what you've done, man. How many albums have you put out?
3: Uh, I think we've done eight. There's some wow. of those are EPs and so forth, but I'm sure. in mean, band, you know. This band of Town, my current band, is it's more of an indie band. I, I kind of used to do stuff. We were on labels and stuff, and and then I went independent, which I, I'm glad because over the last you know 20 years, it's like that's what a lot of bands can do. It's much easier now, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I <laughs> played in bands before that, and and just you know, it's been great because I've had the opportunity to tour you know a lot of the world and see so many things and do all that so it was uh you know it's always been a great experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah
2: that's cool and and the name of your band is is pretty particular you know (laughs) like it it kind of uh brings out kind of the other side of what um you know we wanted to talk to you about some too is uh you know ghoul town so kind of monsters right monster hunters how you describe yourself you don't describe yourself at least to us so far as a cryptozoologist how do you feel about that word
3: well, you know, I'm I'm kind of okay with it just but there's no real accreditation for that title and yeah. it has some connotations and for me uh you know, I mean I never really just came out and said, "Hey, I'm a cryptozoologist" because again, you know, I don't have any particular Uh, schooling or training it's just like sort of on the job training so people call me that and it's it's easy way to describe myself but you know ultimately I I'm as a writer I'm sort of like this sort of a I, I see myself more as like an Indiana Jones journalist guy who you know you know monster hunter and you know kind of my childish Childhood vision of like something like that. So cryptozoologists, you know, there's a lot of guys I know that are very skilled in that, but they they do have more science background and stuff. For me, it's like just sort of exploring the legends and the stories and just going in those places those wild places myself and seeing what I can see. You know. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So do you feel like you kind of derive your inspiration from a different point than what like a crypto like a quote cryptozoologist would?
3: Uh, somewhat. I, I think that a lot of people who are into this pursuit, whether they write books or just simply like want to, you know, research Bigfoot, a lot of them are out to prove it. Um, that's never really been my total focus because that almost sets, uh, to me, it almost sets me up for, for potential failure because a lot of this is proof is scanned and it's hard to. To you know, prove anything. But to me, just the fact that people in modern times are reporting sightings of creatures that may or may not exist, and and the fact that there's this phenomenon uh, going on, this undercurrent that people are familiar with. But when you interview people on a daily basis, you're just like, man, this is mind blowing, and it it can in- affect a whole small town to the point where some sightings happened some years ago and then now there's a festival that thousand, ten thousand people show up <laughs> yeah you know that's just a crazy phenomenon and as a guy who loves horror movies and loved, you know Bigfoot and Yeti and Loch Ness Monster as a kid I'm like it's just mind-blowing that that this this is going on so to me it was just all of that was fascinating uh not not just the fact that hey if I if I can prove this or if I get a picture or some evidence or whatever, that's a bonus, you know, on yeah. top of this, yeah. the whole research, you know?
2: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you describe yourself as a monster hunter. Do you feel like, uh, you know, Bigfoot is kind of your, your go-to or, or do you have other things that you kind of explore and uh, strive to, to at least do some interviews with, with people who've seen stuff or whatever?
3: Yeah, I mean I Bigfoot is obviously the big one and I mean there's just simply more encounters and more places you know that you can you can go to where there's been encounters and there's it's also almost the most plausible of them it's like mm-hmm. you know it's 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 possible when you start getting into other stuff you know uh lizard men and dog men and other yeah they're, they're they're cool things but there's less sightings and they're almost harder to explain um but but i like researching it all i mean i wrote a book on this case about a lizard man in south carolina it's literally it was like people reporting sightings of a crypt of a uh Creature from the Black Lagoon in modern times, like mm-hmm. by this swampy area. So, you know that that's fascinating to me. And then there's a lot of lake monsters and river monsters. I like that stuff. And I mean, I've I've interviewed people that said they've seen uh, pterosaurs or what people would call a pterodactyl. Like yeah. I was in Oklahoma, and two two sets, two independent sets of witnesses said they saw this dinosaur looking bird fly over and I'm these two these there was two people that saw it together it you know individually these people didn't know each other Mm -hmm. so um so yeah I'll follow any of these stories especially if it falls in line with what I'm currently researching certainly but it will pretty much you know get contacted all the time and if I think that's a credible story or sounds cool I'll go ahead and log it in you know
1: yeah so you said lizard men and dog men, like plural. What are plural Bigfoot?
3: <laughs> I think
1: that's still under
3: debate. You know, is it big, big foots or big feet? Uh, Sasquatch, Sa- Sasquatches? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, I guess it's like deer, you know, there's a, look, there's some deer, or there right. is a deer, or there's a Bigfoot, or some Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a hard one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I got you. Do you feel like, um, you know, you're talking about credible sources and that sort of thing, and I, I, the Oklahoma sightings kind of perked my attention when you talked about that, because I remember uh, doing a little reading about, like, the Thunderbird, and... Uh, you know, different things like that, and uh, I think that's what they're called, but a lot of this stuff kind of goes back to, like, Native American tales. Do you feel like uh, that's a function of just society, like people are going to kind of see the same weird stuff, or do you think that, like, um, that that is, like, maybe some reference to proof there?
3: Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, it's almost like the chicken or the egg debate. It's like, do do we as a race of people you know are we naturally inclined to see things like that or you know were the Native Americans seeing the same things as we're seeing now because I mean naturally if these things exist now they had to have been here all along and and certainly the Native Americans would have had sightings and they certainly do have stories of thunderbirds and f- what they called forest giants or hairy men that you can interpret as well that sounds a lot like bigfoot mm-hmm. now so you know it's it's just it's hard to say though with the native american tales because they had so many like sp- uh, stories of spirit animals yeah. and there was not so much of a, dil- a distinction between physical animals and spiritual animals yeah. so it's really hard to tell where they were coming from
2: you know i uh I was reading something that by a guy and he was uh, a native American or belonged to a tribe. And, um, you know, he was kind of a, a, a Bigfoot, um, explorer or at least, uh, had some knowledge. And he, he just kind of believed that, you know, from his people's perspective, Bigfoot was a shapeshifter. That's why you could never find him because he could just I appear and disappear. And, mm. and, you know, that's, that's a kind of a neat, like kind of, uh, melding of, of, you know, modern stuff and kind of that, uh, I don't know. I like the spooky, you know what I mean? Like that's cool (laughs) to me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, I've talked to a lot of, uh, native folks that, you know, their view of Bigfoot a lot of times, just very matter of fact, they're like, Oh yeah, we know these exist. Mm -hmm. And the reason you can't find them is because they have, you know, whether they're supernatural powers or they're just simply an animal that's, you know, super amazing with blending into the woods. Either way, yes, they're they're there one second and they can disappear and you you know you you monster hunters you know, you're never gonna find them, haha. We we know where they are and you'll never find them it's kind of an attitude.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where is okay, so in your opinion, where is Bigfoot most likely to live?
3: Well based on you know, stories, incredible sightings, and stuff. I mean, obviously, the Pacific Northwest, um, I think, is is a definite spot. There's, you know, a long history of sightings. It's certainly a place that's remote. Um, there's a lot of land, uh, a lot of uh, resources where a large creature could exist. So that that's one. But you know, if you want to talk about the South, where you know, I've I'm mostly research here because there's plenty of areas that are hot spots and sightings um, in our area. And I think uh, the area of East Texas into Louisiana and then up into s- southern Arkansas certainly has the ingredients for supporting some large animal like this. Um there's, there's a long history of sightings. Um, many many people I've interviewed over the years in this in this sort of region. Um, so that's a good place. There's also a place in the Washita Mountains in Oklahoma, where I've also been, and it's got a history of sightings. It's got um, some very, you know, unexplainable activity up there. By that seems very, very much like there could be Bigfoots up there, and that's another place where it's like, dude, just to get into some of those places, it's, you know, you drive your your truck for you know miles and miles in there and there's nobody out there and you know anything could be hiding up in those mountains (laughs) yeah yeah
2: it's funny you say that tyler and i just went and did some uh, deer scouting in a place just like that in the washtag mountains it was like 27 Mm -hmm. miles off of pavement or something like that i mean it took
1: forever to get to where we wanted to park and then we ended up scouting you know the mountains there in oklahoma uh, big chunk of public land and we kind of get towards the end of the day we're heading back to the truck and I mean no doubt a Bigfoot <laughs> jumped out <laughs> I mean it was like something took off and it was it was very big and black and we assumed it was a bear or, or a hog or something like that I don't know if how far the hogs range up that way but uh, we definitely thought it was a bear um, that had took off and it was like I mean, we didn't get a very good glimpse of it, but Dad Gum it was it, getting it through yeah, the woods. The hair yeah. on the neck
2: was up for sure. On all of us, all three of us. So, yeah. So speaking of pigs, um, what do you think that Bigfoot is eating on a daily basis?
3: Well, I think just anything, probably. Um, you know, omnivore definitely. Uh, you know, roots, uh, nuts, small animals. You know, pigs, any anything really. I mean, mm-hmm. if you kind of think about, you know, how much we eat or take for granted, but if we were just out there in the woods and you were, you know, seven feet tall and weighed 500 pounds, mm-hmm. you just have to be constantly eating. So I think they can't be too picky. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, a lot of your Bigfoot sightings are in areas like uh, where there's a lot of water, there's rivers, there's, uh, you know, swamps. And certainly, you know, there's abundant things there, frogs and fish and snakes and every kind of weird root, um, tubers and everything. And then in those those mountains up there in Oklahoma, I mean, there's, you know, uh, plenty plenty to eat if you know where to where to get it. So mm-hmm. uh, I think anything. And I've had some of the most dramatic sighting reports and things uh have come from hunters and one of these which leads off a book of mine called beyond boggy creek in search of the southern sasquatch this guy was over in east Te- far east texas on the sabine river that separates texas from oklahoma and he was sitting on a tree stand one morning uh hog hunting and these hogs came in there with he threw out some potatoes and and he could hear the hogs come in and they were you know once they kind of got up there to the to the spot he looks over to his right and he sees this ape-looking thing kind of Ooh. jumping <laughs> coming up and jumping through the tree from tree to tree sneaking up and the sun was coming up you know like uh you know it was real real you know just the visibility but as the the light got lighter he could see it was what looked like a, a some kind of a Bigfoot thing, and the hogs were, uh, you know, didn't didn't smell it, didn't sense it at all. And he said that thing kind of snuck up there, and all of a sudden it just jumped and leapt on one of those hogs and grabbed it, and the others just you know scattered. And he said it took that it took that hog and threw it against the a tree, and <laughs> and killed it, and. Then uh, you know this dude just watching this, and he the, he picks up the hog and starts walking off, and then suddenly he drops it and he turns around oh. and he looks right up at the hunter mm-hmm. in the stand. Mm-mm. <laughs> I think I think he finally became aware that someone was sitting there, and and it it looked it looked at him, and the hunter of course thought, well I'm next, and uh, then he, this whoop came from the woods, and then the the thing just picked up the hog and just took off.
2: Oh, man. I'm creeped out right now. (laughs) That gum. Okay, so uh, the reason I kind of alluded to hogs is because um, me and my dad were hog hunting one time in East Texas, uh, a little further east of where we were at, and uh, we actually found a hog carcass about 12 feet up in a tree, and you could definitely tell that it had been killed by something and everything that is you know native as far as we know to east texas uh you know i mean the, the biggest thing would probably be a a, a, a panther or mountain lion whatever you want to call it um or a, a black bear they don't kill their food and take it up and hang it in trees so talk about getting weird right and, and it was interesting that you mentioned that that hunter said that Bigfoot was coming through the trees because I never have really heard that illusion. I, you know, I just always assume that they're bipedal and they just kind of walk around. But, I mean, if they are a great ape, um, surely they feel pretty comfortable in trees, right? So, I don't know, it's just kind of some putting some pieces together. It's pretty interesting.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's one of those stories where you're, you're talking about finding a hog up in a tree in East Texas right where, you know, I just where was the setting of this this report Mm -hmm. you know you find those those things that match up that make you say "Hmm," you know what 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 would throw a hog up into a tree so yeah you know you, you never know and and certainly there's you know there's been more and more bigfoot sightings i think and i don't know that whether that's because more people are out there looking now or or aware of it and paying attention or whether there's more of them but there's certainly m- plenty of hogs so if they eat hogs there's no lack of food you know yeah <laughs> yeah
1: no kidding yeah, for sure so you mentioned earlier about cryptozoologists that are more skilled than you perhaps i'm guessing that's um you're you're talking about in pursuing like sign and sightings like actual sightings of of uh, these big, big feet, Bigfoots. Um, I mean, how does that is is that what you're talking about? I guess first of all, like these are more well, like hunter hunter types, I guess.
3: Well, no, more more scientific basis. I mean, oh. I'm, I'm, I mean, I've got it covered as far as hunting outdoors and that, and, and you know, investigative journalism. I, I'd say, but you know, if you're talking about, uh, you know. I don't know, just, um, you know, I, I know guys that are have degrees in biology, mm-hmm. um, that have, uh, you know, experience, like literally working at a zoo, things like that. So, you know, those guys have an aspect that um, complements, obviously, you know, the cryptid search. So, you know, in, in cryptozoology, there's, since there is no accreditation, it, People that are into it range across the board, whether it's just people who, you know, just simply uh, write books or whether they are more in tune to prove this and they're out in the field looking for tracks. And, you know, I'm somewhere in the middle because I'm certainly doing those things, but mm-hmm. I'm not – I'm doing them in the context of evaluating some stories or some some areas where sightings have been. So, sure, sure. Um, so but, yeah.
1: Okay, so I mean you you there's a there's uh, been some TV shows, some Sasquatch TV shows and some of these TV personalities, I used to watch them quite a bit. They'll do they'll do all these calls and they'll talk about they'll beat on these trees and stuff and they talk about how this is a call that they make when they're doing this or whatever. I mean it seems a little bit put on for tv what do you think about that Like, could do these people actually know what they're talking about
3: well yes i mean some shows are better than others and i mean i've been on i've been on finding bigfoot and monsters and mysteries and several of the shows and know you know i know most of those people mm-hmm. you know people have to keep in mind it, it's entertainment ultimately and the the networks, you know, they don't care if you're proving Bigfoot. They just want to make sure that it's an entertaining show. Mm-hmm. And be- because Bigfoot research can is – true Bigfoot research is rather boring. I mean, it's almost like, <laughs> you know, just sitting there looking and mostly find nothing or just sitting and it's like it's like a hunting show. I mean, at least yeah. on the hunting shows, the, you know, the dude, you know, the, the elk or the turkey or the deer – you know you're going to at least get one. Here, it's like hunting where you don't find anything. So these shows need to have some proactive stuff. And there, that's where a lot of the the wood knocks and the howls and the calls and the, you know, let's hang donuts on the tree or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that, that, that needs to be done. But, I mean, speaking in some of these personalities like Cliff Berrickman, who was on Finding Bigfoot? You know, he's, he's one of my best buddies, and he's the real deal. That guy was looking for Sasquatch before it was trendy, before he was ever on a show. On a show, and he knows his business. Hmm. Um, and and so, but you know, people like, well, he's on a show. It's hard to tell. But then you got shows like Mountain Monsters, which is completely fabricated. I mean, they those hmm. guy those are nice guys, and they're I mean, they live in the Appalachians, and they're. You know they know their woods, but you know that show. They don't. They build a trap. They didn't really almost. They didn't really catch Mothman, and it got away. It just. <laughs> it's TV, yeah, so. Yeah. Um, you know some of those are better than others, and lately they're so they're so they've gotten so goofy now that I I don't entertain any more. I mean I'm constantly being approached by these production companies and networks that want me to be on the cast of one of these shows. And I just don't even I just won't do it anymore. I'll just, I'll be on there on one episode and comment or whatever they want, but sure. I, I don't trust the networks anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: I can understand that. So a while ago, you're kind of mentioning tactics to, to finding big feet. Uh, okay. So what's the weirdest one, like the donut thing, you know, like what's the weirdest one you've heard or seen? And then what's the weirdest one you've actually been willing to try? <laughs> uh, and are they the same
3: <laughs> right well you know if there there's some weird ones i mean a lot of them i guess make some amount of sense like mm-hmm. uh you know hanging getting getting a hold of some gorilla urine and and throwing that out in the woods i mean it's, you know who knows if they're going to respond to it but it makes some amount of sense you know just shooting in the dark and well maybe this will work um even the donuts oh hey who doesn't love donuts you know yeah um <laughs> hey, you might
2: at least get to see a black bear that night you know
3: <laughs> right a black bear will it'll find food anywhere so you never know but you know the, some of the weirdest ones are the the business about gifting there's this whole concept of uh, i'm going to leave this gift and then the bigfoot will take it and then he will leave me a gift and that's that sort of elicits some kind of interaction but i don't know that if you leave something in the woods and you don't see who picked it up or what picked it up how do you know it was a bigfoot and most mm-hmm. of my first question is always well did you put a game camera on it mm-hmm. you know because i'll say oh it, it left me this weird doll and stuff i'm like "Well, where's the camera that's the whole thing is if you're making a a gifting area it's sort of a you're luring them in. How come you don't, you know, and, and of course, that brings up the debate about well, if you put the camera, suddenly nothing picks up the gift, you know, but, um, there's, there's a whole study that, that happened to suggest that in my mind, that that Sasquatch could sense the cameras and literally actively avoid them because they did a test um, with alpha male coyotes, and the coyotes literally could tell there was a camera and would go around it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the younger ones would walk in front of it. But I'm like, dude, if a coyote can somehow, you know, avoid it, then certainly something that would logically be more intelligent could could uh, you know avoid it because that's one of the biggest questions we've got all those game cameras out there how come we don't have a a better picture i mean there's some pictures that might be a bigfoot but i mean a better one and so it's possible that they're literally avoiding them who knows
2: yeah i mean and from our our landscape uh as deer hunters um i mean we try to get pictures of bucks all the time that escape us you Mm -hmm. know so like Right. You take a being that is supposedly way more cognizant than that, and, uh, yeah, surely he can kind of avoid being on camera at some point or some way. What, a So, in... with Just take a theoretical Bigfoot. Like, what is Bigfoot able to do, like, as far as, like, a scale of intelligence goes?
3: Well, I mean, to me... I think logically it's sort of an, uh, like an if-if-then scenario. Yes. If, if if they do exist, then they must be a higher intelligence or or an awareness that has kept them from being proven all these years. And people go, Whoa, "How come one doesn't run in front of it?" front of a truck and stuff i'm like well they do run in front of cars occasionally but they, they don't get hit they are wary enough to stay away and they would need some kind of sense i mean you know there's a lot of a lot of animals that just i mean they're shy and if they see the human they're going to run but they don't give a damn they're just walking across the road that you know the sasquatch has to have some intelligence and then possibly that extends to maybe burying their dead or you know, remain trying to stay elusive mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, and and I think that people underestimate animals a lot. You know, people are like, well, you know, how could it be out there and nobody see it? I'm like, dude, you, you can walk right by a deer or a hog or something unless it moves or jumps up. You could just walk right past it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, and in animals, their fur, their entire makeup is meant to conceal them i mean it's like like the stripes on a tiger those aren't just for you know because they're going to be in a circus those are those are meant to break up their form and to hide them in those tall grasses in the in the environments where they're at and same thing for bigfoot you know i go out the you go out somewhere you know east texas or arkansas or in those mountains and there's so many shadows and trees and stumps and stuff if some dark figure just stood up there and didn't move you wouldn't see it you just simply would go by it so i think that they're you know they're just highly adaptive and highly uh you know built into their environment to where they can you know, just remain out there and exist without us particularly being able to find them. And, and that's, if they exist, you know, they just have to have those characteristics. Mm -hmm.
1: So you keep talking about, um, this area, which is where you've done a lot of research. I think, um, what Boggy Creek is in, uh, Southern Arkansas, correct? Right. Um, so is there, you know, and I can say this because I'm a native of East Texas, but is there like a socioeconomic bias in Bigfoot lore? You know, are there, cause you never really hear like, and there's, I can see reasons why, but you never hear like high class or rich people talk about Bigfoot. It's always some backwards person. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's true to a certain degree. Um, certainly, I would say most of the people that I interview are are rural based people. Um, though I mean I do know some very smart people that have, you know, have college degrees or they served in the military or they're I mean, even college professors that have experiences or sightings of Bigfoot. So it's not 100% but it's also just a matter of who is in those environments who who mm-hmm. goes you know you, you know you you guys hunt it's, a lot of the guys are like it's dudes who like to go in the woods and we all talk like hey man you know like <laughs> you know just you know like it was like when I used to hunt with my dad there was just a certain culture of those people but those were the dudes that were going out hunting the people who are you know, hoity-toity, high class up in their, you know, urban home and stuff, well, they don't, they go, you know, their vacation is spent in the Bahamas or whatever. They're not. Sure, yeah. They're not in those places. So I I think it's simply because it's the type of person who is in the woods or works um, in the field, you know, if would put them out there or a lot of that. And I think that's why there's a skew towards the people who see it are just you know more of that style so you know and I I find some of them to be just almost as credible as you can get because man these people know the woods they mm-hmm. know the environment this isn't like some dude like if i took some city boys out there to the woods i could scare them real easy <laughs> you know, and they're not not familiar and they could see something. I go, dude, I think that's a Sasquatch. Whereas, you know, some, some old boy who's, you know, lived out there all his life, He he's seen it. He knows the environment. So yeah. I think they're they're credible for that, even though when they get on the news, they always pick the most. <laughs> yeah,
1: they do, don't they? <laughs> the most with the, least,
2: with the least teeth,
3: for sure. Yep, So and that's what they like for the news. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. I mean, it sells the story. It's part of the entertainment yeah. aspect. Um, do you feel like uh, they're, you know, you're talking about the good old boys and whatnot, do you think that there's more – or is it possible that there are more Bigfoot sightings that go unreported because people are kind of worried about the social implications of if they actually come out and say like hey I saw Bigfoot and they don't want to ruin their reputations because of it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I th- I think there's you know, there's more unreported sightings than there are probably reported ones and there is social implications because I've I've looked on some of those hunting forums and occasionally you'll see a guy who's p- post something about bigfoot usually they don't usually it may be just like hey i heard that this there was an encounter i saw this on a thing And all the posts below it are like ha ha did you see a unicorn like you can see why they're not gonna they don't want to say anything because but when when but they're if they feel comfortable though however like if if You know, a service person comes into my house, like the cable guy or whatever. At first, you know, he kind of looks around. There's a bunch of, there's Bigfoot posters and tracks and stuff all over the house. And they kind of look at it like, so you like Bigfoot, you know, like, (laughs) like, you know, you can see they're kind of fishing. I'm like, yeah, you know, I I write books on the subject. I've been on a few of the shows and stuff like, oh, really? That's that's cool. And then they'll go with their business. And then about five minutes later. Well you know, man, you know, I I wouldn't tell a lot of people this, but I was one time I was hunting and blah blah blah. And then see, they it's not something they went on a they didn't go and report this anywhere else. They just know, hey, well this guy's probably not gonna laugh at me and then they'll tell me maybe he didn't have a total sighting, but there was something that happened where he goes, you know, it scared me. I don't know what it was or and so I, I think those are the reports that Those are the ones I like the most because it's a person not looking for publicity. Yeah.
2: Do you think – so this is kind of getting back in the spookiness of Bigfoot, but do you think that uh, there's a level of innocence that Bigfoot uh, would allow for someone to encounter him? You you, you know what I'm saying there? Like uh, if there's like – someone's out there with social – or I'm sorry, uh, like economic implications of like trying to find a Bigfoot versus like an innocent being – just out, you know, enjoying nature. Like, is there is there a level to where a, you think Bigfoot has the ability to sense that sort of sort of a thing?
3: Uh, it's possible. I mean, you know, the animals can be sensitive to to things like that, or um, and, and yeah, it could be that you know they they feel threatened or in some way by by the just the mannerisms or the talking between some guys or what have you and yeah i certainly could i mean you, you, and i always find that i think you get these reports where you know people are camping or something and they they look up and one of these things is looking at them it's almost oh. like they have a, a level of curiosity that almost gets the best of them where they're like whoops you know like yeah. you know i'm um, so if, if the people seem innocent or they're just seeing or hanging out or there's some kids a lot of times they'll come closer um and then you know of course once they're sighted they sort of just disappear into the woods but um but yeah i mean i, I think that they could sense sense that and perhaps you know get a little closer than they would if you're you know stomping through the woods military style i think every animal just fleas you know (laughs) yeah sure
1: so you you just mentioned it you know like a lot of stories talk about how oh i came face to face with him or he looked at me up in the tree or you know when i looked out of my tent he was right there um or you know his uh hand reached in the window and i could see this furry hand or whatever it might be It, it all seems to me a lot of times like bigfoot is harmless in these stories what are the chances that Bigfoot is going to attack a person and try to kill them or has killed a person?
3: Well, I mean, you know, there are some cases where the creatures appear to have been aggressive. Um, That was, that was kind of the whole sensation about the legend of Boggy Creek sightings, the old movie, the legend of Boggy Creek in the seventies, like, one of the reports in there was this family that had moved out there to Falk Arkansas and something was creeping around on their porch at night and it was trying to get in the house and the guys ended up trying to shoot at it and then it it literally attacked uh, this young young guy Bobby Ford and he ended up in the hospital from that Mm-mm. um and then you've got uh, there was a case up there in in uh the Kayemichis of area of the washita's where there was a family that claimed these things were you know coming around and being aggressive and all that so most of the sightings you know are just simply almost they caught them off guard it was going across the road or they were driving and it was standing there and you know it quickly disappears and then a percentage of those are suggest that um They could be aggressive. And I think that's just like any animal. I mean, it's like you, if you run across a bear, nine times out of 10, it's, you know, it just flees into the woods. They don't want to have anything to do with you. But then there's those times when that bear just flips or it has some reason to feel threatened. And then boom, it'll take you out. And so perhaps, you know, and you've got all these stories of people who've disappeared in the woods, a lot of them hunters. Mm -hmm. I mean, who's to say that? that the reason they just dis- disappeared wasn't Bigfoot. I mean, if a Bigfoot wanted to take you out and, dis- and disappear you, you would disappear. <laughs> is, that, is that a word? That I yeah, love that? Uh, that was a good description. That's how I talk, man. So,
2: man, I, this reminds me of a thing I read one time. It was like a excerpt from a trapper's journal from, uh, you know, the P&W up there, and supposedly like a guy – you know, they kind of had, like, a little trapper's cabin where a couple guys were staying there, and they'd go out during the day and run their lines. And a guy supposedly had shot one, and it had fallen in a ravine, and he couldn't retrieve it. Well, they went back, you know, and, and he told his friends this, and they all went back and, you know, just kind of went about their business with well, that night. Like, the family came back and got the that guy kind of as, like, revenge or whatever. <laughs> oh and that gosh. was, like, supposedly a real excerpt from a journal, you know, like... I guess you can't call it proof or anything, you know, because it was just like some trappers who may have been drinking whiskey or something. You know, who knows? But, oh, man, spooky stuff.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's that sounds like the uh, Ape Canyon Bigfoot incident from 1924.
2: Okay, maybe um, that's what... I'm, yeah, what is that?
3: Uh, that was pretty much what you what you uh, described it was uh these guys and ape canyon is out in the area of Mount St Helens in Washington state mm-hmm. and back in 1924 uh, a group of miners uh were up there you know doing their their thing and one of them ran across this ape-like creature and he shot it and then it fell into the ravine and uh then they went back to the cabin that night, and then, all of a sudden, at some point in the night, you know rocks started hitting the cabin and all this stuff. and they looked out, and up there on the was kind of an over a ridge that overlooked the cabin, and they could see more of these what looked like ape ape-like creatures standing on two legs mm. and then you know tried to get into the cabin and were just assailing the thing through the night. and that was. Uh, Just kind of one of those classic Bigfoot stories that came out of the Pacific Northwest, you know, early on. That is how you turn
1: me
2: into a city boy real
3: quick.
1: (laughs) Normally, when I'm like can't sleep at night, it's because you know I'm I'm still like groggy and kind of half asleep. But uh, that would be a night that I was be I'd be wide awake the whole night.
3: (laughs) No, no, thank you, man.
2: Goodness gracious. So, what do you think the the social structure is of a Bigfoot? Like, how deep does culture run in the Bigfoot society?
3: uh well i think you know most most of the sightings just are of a single entity you know just one of them mm-hmm. so you know i think that leads us to conjecture that they would be quite solitary you know i mean you don't you don't get a lot of reports where there's family units and things like that um you know occasionally you do and you do get reports where you know, they're, they seem to be juveniles. And I think a lot of times that's probably the ones that are getting seen, the, yeah. the least experienced, you know, a lady saw one in clear day up by the Sulphur River, um, in East Texas. And she said it, it looked five feet tall and she was confused. She's like, isn't Falk monster or Bigfoot supposed to be bigger? And I said, well, you know, they have to grow up if these are real animals. So they, could be of any size like oh wow yeah um but uh they you know the social structure i mean they got to have some structure because you know in order to have a viable breeding population they've got to interact in some ways but i think it's very minimal they don't have a culture like you know they're not building any you know people say they build these stick structures and all this stuff um if they do it's it's a very temporary sleeping nest you know just a a nothing permanent you know they they just need to be on the move and part of that is just because you got to go where the food is you got to go where the water is and you need to keep moving to to uh stay out of sight so i think it's just a very loose organization and what family structure there would be would be based way back in the deepest reaches of the of the woods and those that venture out sort of go alone, you know, the lone Sasquatch. Mm-hmm.
1: This is probably a really ignorant question, but do Feet live outside of North America?
3: Yes. Yeah. There's, there's histories of reports, you know, that in, in some cases predate, you know, knowledge of Bigfoot here. Um, there's, of course, the Yeti uh, over there of, in the Himalayas. There's the Yeren, which is mm. a, uh, based in China, there's the Yowie, which is in Australia. Uh, you know, many many uh, legends around the world that describe a Bigfoot-like creature, and some of these, um, you know, date back many many years, and some of them are quite credible, like the the Yeren in in the mountains of China. I mean. They don't let anybody go out there. I mean, there's nobody in those woods, mm-hmm. um, and there's been some really intriguing footprint casts that have come out of there over the years and things like that. But it's not a place where, you know, you can't take a weekend and go tromping off up in there. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's allowed. It's government properties and things. So, man, mm-hmm. there could be something living out there, and and uh, we'd never be able to prove it. So, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's 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 all sorts of Bigfoots around the world. Mm-hmm.
1: So, okay, so you talked about this earlier, but what about trail cameras? Like, why have we not captured a photo that everybody can agree on, this is a f- for-real photo of a Bigfoot?
3: I think the only explanation for that is if they exist, they have got, they have to be able to sense those, those cameras. And they could certainly smell them. I mean, bears will attack them. You know, because they like, they're made out of, you know, the plastic, the petroleum, the, the petroleum product in the plastic, the bears can find them and they'll tear them up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think the Sasquatch, not necessarily that they're like, oh, those things take pictures. I, I don't want my picture made. Um, it, it's more like, they can they're in the when when you're in the woods and that's their territory when they when they sense or smell something that's alien then they would you know perhaps they steer clear of it that's it's really the only explanation because sure. otherwise you know it, it's hard to get that picture of the buck it's hard you rarely get a picture of a of a cougar but you do every once in a while mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah, um, there's a lot and, of trail there,
1: cameras out there right now, you know. So
3: and and there's a bunch, and so but I mean, there's been photos, but they're just, you know, some of the more intriguing ones are just it's like the Patterson-Gimlin film or something. You just there's not enough there to prove or disprove. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of them you can a lot of them you can see and go, dude, that's. I can recognize one of the store-bought suits or whatever, or <laughs> yeah, or chewy. You, <laughs> you, 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 yeah, I mean it's like you know, or you can recognize sort of a setup, or it's an illusion. There was one circulated that looked really good, but when you it was one of those mind tricks when you when you looked at it another way, it was like oh, it's a bird. It was <laughs> a bird that was closer to the camera, but it mm-hmm. you, your mind thought it was further off, and it looked like. This gorilla thing. Mm-hmm. So it, some of it's an illusion, but, but then there's a handful of those pictures that, nah, I really don't know what's in that. You know, it just wasn't a very good picture, and you're like, man, I wish it would have been a better picture because then you could have ruled it in or out.
2: Yeah. How do we- you feel about the Patterson film?
3: Um, I, you know, I, I think it's possible it's a bigfoot. I, I, I don't like to commit for sure because certainly I wasn't there, and I, you know, there's only so much in that film that you can. Uh, pull out of it but there's a lot of things pros and cons and a lot of the pros are that you know it's it holds up to scrutiny pretty well i mean it kind of looks like a man but then again it doesn't and uh if that's a suit it's the damn best suit ever because i mean some of the there was a history channel show that tried to reproduce the suit with modern you know uh, materials and things and when they did you looked five seconds and you're like nope person in a suit you could throw it right out and roger patterson that filmed it how would he you know he could have never known that we would have, years later we'd have this kind of technology where we yeah. can slow it down and enlarge it and uh stabilize it and stuff and we you know i still can't quite disprove it and i'm i'm good friends with bob gimlin um and i find his his story credible i find the guy You know, as far as he himself, I just don't think he would have purported a hoax. He never got anything for it all Mm -hmm. those years and was cut out of all the monetary. And I feel like that if it is a hoax, then Bob was also hoaxed because Mm -hmm. he, it just doesn't seem likely that, that that was a big conspiracy. So I'm still hung jury on it. You know, but uh, I'd I say it's still possible that's a Sasquatch.
2: Yeah. Is that the, the most compelling piece of footage you've seen?
3: Uh yeah. I mean it still stands as, as the best. I mean it's just the lengthiest and stuff and, and clearest. There there's been a few others that there was there was one in Mississippi that looks pretty good. Um and a few others that I find that, that just can't be explained, but Patterson-Gimlin still stands as, I mean, that's why it's sort of the iconic image of Bigfoot, you know?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you can travel all around the country and see, you know, plywood cutouts of the, the Patterson-Gimlin,
3: you know, that, <laughs>
2: the still stance. shot, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, it's pretty iconic, man, and it's yeah. pretty, pretty what,
1: what, dang cool. What are the chances that after that, Bigfoot went extinct at some point.
3: Well, you know, I mean, I kind of thought about that, I, especially early on before I was aware of just how many sightings uh, there were or how much did it continued, but I thought, you know, if, if again, it was just a solitary creature walking across there, what if that was one of the last of its kind, you know, and and uh yeah, I mean, I, it, that seemed possible, but of course, now having interviewed so many people since that i think at least a portion of these truly saw some unexplainable creature you know i guess it wasn't the last one <laughs> you
2: know that's a good point like the california condor like it's kind of now one of the hypotheses is that it's kind of at the end of its time here on earth because we came out of an ice age and it's kind of an ice age relic where, like, you know, we for, for a long time thought that, like, oh, humans killed the California condor and that's why it's almost on the verge of extinction, which may or may not be true, but this at least that hypothesis is out there. Do you think that uh, Bigfoot came across on the Bering Land Bridge or do you think that uh, it's kind of indigenous to North America?
3: I think it would have come across because it, it seems to make the most sense. And, yeah. you know, the, there's there's some theories that... Bigfoot is a, a descendant of Gigantopithecus, which was a ape-like creature that lived in uh, Asia, you know, say around 13,000 years ago-ish. And uh, we have some fossils from that, mostly teeth and a jaw, so there's not much... Uh, you know left a gigantopithecus but it was some sort of a big ape-like creature and could have possibly stood on two legs and so if some of those did you know come over here like you know like hominids did like that's you know that's why people are here they came across that bridge at some point so other animals certainly would have and could have done it and uh you know and and also the, the whole gigantopithecus thing goes to show you that you know people are like well where's the fossils you know which not in the fossil record well yeah well all we got is a pile of teeth and a jaw for a giant ape that lived in asia that's all we got but the thing existed so you yeah. know you minus the jaw and the teeth and you got zero well, yeah that's exactly
2: <laughs> you know if people really knew and i don't know a ton about it but i've done some research like how much um like fill in the blank there is with fossils and fossil record you know like what we really know about what things were in the fossil record is just it's pretty minimal compared to like what is all a hypothesis of what this animal looked like like i mean to take a dinosaur example the spinosaurus i don't know if you know what that is or not but it's kind of a um sort of aquatic aquatic, uh, yeah dinosaur that Mm -hmm. fed on fish most likely and you know they're big long spill but it's the one with the big fin on its back right well just like a month ago they found some new tailbones and like suddenly they figured out that this thing probably swam around under the water as opposed to just living on the river's edge
1: like amphibious
2: or whatever Yeah. yeah like right and so it's like man there's so many things that we just don't know and that's what kind of makes the bigfoot thing cool i mean well you probably know this but uh wasn't the like the rumor of like the mountain apes in Africa, wasn't that pretty much a Bigfoot story until they were found in the early nineteen hundreds?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the same exact thing because uh they had come down from those mountains and and told people that there's there's some big ape living up there and uh it looked like one that they'd never seen and they were just laughed at yeah. laughed at. And, uh, so the, uh, slipped my mind, the the name of the, the guy that went up there, he said, well, I'll show you. And he went up there and shot one and brought it down and said, how's this for you? And, and there you go. So it, so literally the mountain gorilla at some point was a cryptid. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: So do you feel like, uh, it, it would, hmm, what's the right way to say this? is it worth shooting bigfoot
3: well i mean ultimately to prove bigfoot i think we have to have a specimen there if without a type specimen it's not going to be accepted by mainstream mainstream science at this point i mean bigfoot has become such a pop culture icon and we also have all the technology now to you know photos and videos people are just going to be suspect you know so now i don't know if it's worth shooting i i wouldn't shoot one i mean you know i i think if i was presented with that i would be satisfied to see one and then i guess i would be left with a story or perhaps you know at least get a picture i mean even if it's just for my own you know you can take it or leave it but um but you know that that's the thing it's like at this point to prove something it, it would require somebody shooting it so mm-hmm. yeah i don't i don't advocate it or i mean you know i know my 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 dad and my uncles and them if if they see one well it's going to get proven because they're going <laughs> to shoot it
2: yeah so yeah. um uh, say 10 years down the road um you know it's pretty much proven bigfoot exists and we actually even are, have the abilities to capture one does bigfoot belong in a zoo for people to look at and see uh
3: i I don't think so i i kind of don't know if any animals belong in a zoo it's Mm, it's kind of one of those it's good for education but it's sad at the same time and i think depending on how intelligent the bigfoot was you know as it turns out it definitely might not be something we want to do i mean even those you know great apes they're super smart and you look at them sitting out there you're like man i don't know maybe it's a better life because there are poachers and things but truly it's like let the animals be free and uh so i yeah i don't i don't know i, don't, I wouldn't want to see a Bigfoot in a zoo <clears throat> perhaps they're better off remaining a, a complete mystery because they're they're perhaps safer that way but, yeah
2: so do you think uh is is it good for Bigfoot to be a mystery? Like, will it, will it take some of the edge off if, if sooner or later, like it's for sure proven?
3: Well, I think there's enough other mysteries in the world that if Bigfoot becomes proven, then suddenly like everybody looks at me and go, dude, you're not crazy. (laughs) Or, or, you know, but, uh, yeah, we take the wind out of the sails because it's kind of the big, iconic mystery and it's great to have mysteries in the world i mean it's i mean the world i mean you know take it right now the world sucks you know it's it's cool to think that there's some stuff we don't quite know or understand or you know it's like gives our imagination somewhere to go so i think bigfoot is is good for that and it's it's good for uh kids it gets kids in the woods and all this stuff so if Mm you if you got rid of that you know you would just have to, I don't know, it could be filled in though. There's, you know, there's plenty of blizzard men and dog men and moth men and <laughs> you other say, stuff. You
2: say good for kids. It wasn't good for me, man. For like two years of my life, I suffocated myself to sleep every night because I was afraid Bigfoot was looking at me through my window. <laughs> so.
3: but, yeah, that's a funny thing because I think back a certain number of years ago, bigfoot was a lot scarier now since finding bigfoot and we're knocking and whistling and la 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 kids are like yeah i want to go hunting bigfoot i'm like dude when i was a kid legend of buggy creek and stuff all i knew is bigfoot was yeah he's gonna rip me up and (laughs) yeah and i if my dad left me in that tree stand and i can remember like early on so okay son you go over your own stand and i remember sitting up there going dude, this is scary. Yeah. The, the Patterson-Gimlin film starts rolling in my head, and I'm like, dude, man, I don't know about this. This whole hunting thing is, is, is frightening.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no kidding, man. I've been the same spot. I can remember going and buying a brighter flashlight at Walmart just because. Oh, I'm man. all about a bright headlamp, man. <laughs> um, so if Bigfoot, you know, say that happens, Bigfoot's found, and, uh, you know, Lyle uh, doesn't have quite the same – Passions or, or people to interview. Um, what's your next cryptid that you're going to go try to figure some stuff out about?
3: Well, I'm, I'm kind of looking towards doing a book on the Dogman phenomenon because, um, as of in the last two or three years, there's a lot more sightings of these kind of bipedal canid creatures. I mean, like living werewolves or something, and. There's a lot of cool historical reports of that. So, you know, that's something that, you know, has appealed to me just because it's like, you know, wow, people reporting werewolf things in modern times, you know, I wanna look into this. So, you know, I would probably just go go on to that and that would become the next I don't it it doesn't have the lovable feel like Bigfoot. So it can mm-hmm. never you know, you're not gonna have the dogman board game or whatever like like you have Bigfoot uh, commercials or whatever, but mm-hmm. I like it because it's spooky. So that probably, I mean, whether Bigfoot's proven or not, that's probably a, a place where I'll go do some more research.
1: Sure, yeah. So, you know, we're in Texas. we got to talk about the Chupacabra, right? Like that's, is that related yeah. to Dogman at all?
3: No, that's something different. And it's it's actually a, a bit of a twisted uh cryptid because the original reports of what we call chupacabra, which translates to goat sucker uh, in Spanish, those reports started coming out of the Puerto Rico area in 1995, and people described a creature that was killing livestock and presumably drinking their blood. They said that uh, it was about three or four feet tall. It stood on two legs. It had big eyes and spikes on its back. It was kind of alien-looking. Mm-hmm. And then about, you know, in the 2000s, people started seeing these these other weird dog-looking creatures in the south, south and southeast, including Texas, with these sort of mangy-looking coyote-type things. And then the media mm-hmm. called them chupacabras. Mm-hmm. So those were two different... They're two different things. So when people say Texas chupacabra, obviously we're talking about that, uh, you know, the hairless, strange-looking canid mm-hmm. that's caught on dash cameras. And there's actually some some carcasses and stuff specimens that suggest that while it's prob it's not very monstrous. It it could literally be a cryptid because it could be a hybrid, uh, you know, hybrid you know canid species of a red wolf or right. coyote or something else with some sort of medical situation that has kind of created this little creepy looking dog does so the fact
1: that, that 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 the chupacabra kind of comes from like a, maybe a less developed country affect how research is done and and how much they're able to prove that that is or isn't some kind of mangy coyote
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly in countries where um, you can't access the locations very well, this is like the urine of China when you're talking about going into the Yucatan jungle, or I believe that's what it is, in Puerto Rico where a lot of these sightings early on it occurred. You know, there's just not a lot of people that are doing research and going out there, and it's not something I can, you know, hop very easily drive to or hop on a plane, you know, to go in search of that, so there's just less research done on those, so, you know, who knows if there was something behind that, or, you know, is there still something to it, and then, you know, when even... Just simply in Texas what are these canids you know we just don't have enough specimens but I get people reporting sightings of these to me every once in a while so uh, they're they're both kind of unsolved mysteries really yeah. mm-hmm.
2: so another one from kind of south of the border uh I've I've grown up around some migrant workers and uh some of them from, were from Coila area of Mexico and mm-hmm. uh they would tell stories of the Bruja have you ever heard of the Bruja you know what the Bruja is
3: uh, well, like that's the witch kind of yeah, and
2: like they these these Mexican guys would still run from the barn to their house at night. Like they would not walk at night because they were scared <laughs> of the burro man. like yeah. they they were believers.
3: And it, is this like uh, there's like the legends of the Lachuza, which is kind of an owl type creature. Um, I guess there's that, and then there's sort of that flying witch kind yeah. of and um, I'm not sure if both of those are sort of derivative of the same thing or whether there's two two distinctive phenomenons, but either way they're both they're both pretty creepy, and there's just something about that whole you know Mexican you know vibe of of bruja and the evil witch owls and what have you yeah. it's cool yeah.
2: yeah yeah man and you know like it's really easy to write it off but then when you see a 35 year old man who's scared <laughs> and running yeah. you know like that's a different deal you know it's like man something, there's something to this it's
3: weird <laughs> but yeah right yeah and that's that's uh, that just goes to show you I mean this stuff is going on out there in certain cultures and certain areas that there's phenomenon that we just don't know a lot about you know
2: yeah what about the, the Marine stuff, like Champ and, and Nessie? How do you feel about that stuff?
3: Uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. Um, I think at this point, Loch Ness is probably, you know, more or less, you know, we, we know it's probably not a plesiosaur dinosaur in there. It's, you know, there's some phenomenon going on, but it's less than a giant dinosaur but um champ it's you know there's a lot of credible sightings and a lot of good research been done up there um i like i like river monsters there's uh the Tensaw river over in louisiana i had there's a video taken by a guy uh that was flying over some farms out there that shows some giant thing swimming in that um, and I followed up with that as best I could and found some reports. Um, and then, uh, let's see what else, you know, the, the White River Monster from Arkansas, some that are a little bit closer to us that are sort of, you know, that sort of aquatic swimming thing. And of course, you know, I loved the Loch Ness Monster when I was a kid, so I've always been attracted to any reports I get. Yeah. Especially if they're closer to our area. Yeah,
2: I'm gonna have to check out that Louisiana one. I I hadn't heard of that before. That's Mm -hmm. real cool. Did you ever read um, the book "Lock" by Paul Zindel?
3: I did. Yeah, that's a really good book.
2: Yeah, that was probably my first outside of like Bigfoot stuff. That was like my first thing that kind of turned me on to you know kind of cryptids and stuff. That's pretty cool man you know as a yeah. as like a twelve or thirteen year old man, it's just like your mind starts expanding so much when you start <laughs> thinking about like the the weird and supernatural stuff like that, Or not not even supernatural, just like unknown i guess
3: yeah there yeah that's that's a great book, it's really done well, and there's uh one of my other favorites that is very not as well known, but there's uh there's another lock in Scotland called Loch Morar. And there's been sightings of a creature there called Morag. And there's, you know, it's very similar to Loch Ness, but it just, it's one of those, it just never got the publicity. But it's, there's just equally as cool. And Mm -hmm. there's a book called The Search for for Morag that's really, it's almost like Loch Ness, but creepier. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I've always loved those those kind of tales. Sure. So...
1: It has to come to this, though. We have to know what you think. Do you believe in Bigfoot
3: or not? Well, I'd I say I believe in the possibility, mm-hmm. because to believe, you know, I, I try to stay balanced and rational about this, and and I certainly want to. I want there to be these things out there, and I want them to exist. and I want to believe in them. Um, but I think the best I can do is believe in the possibility. It's possible that in you know some sort of undiscovered ape-like creature is is lurking under our noses in North America in and uh, you know that's based on you know personal research, going to these areas, interviewing people. Not everybody I interview, you know, probably saw a Bigfoot. I mean, there's room for error and mistake, and the, the people are sincere. They're not hallucinating. They saw something. But there is a certain percentage of those that I know the person saw something, and they saw it well enough to rule out other things, and there is no explanation for it. I don't know how to explain it, you know, without having a specimen, but there's something to it. And that's why... I, I believe in that possibility and, and keep an open mind about it until I suppose until such proof becomes available or, or doesn't, but mm-hmm. the mystery still lingers on for me, you know, as far as, um, Bigfoot, especially and you know, a number of these other cases as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. What, so if there, if, if Bigfoot does not exist, does that mean that these people are seeing bears or are there weird people running around in the woods trying to scare people or what's the deal?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I I guess it would be all of the above. I mean, because to explain away all of these sightings and there is a lot, they go back many years to explain away all of them. You would, you would have to tally up, you know, they can't all be hoaxes. They can't all be, you know, old Jim Bob's cousin dressing in a suit, running under tree stands in front of hunters or yes, whatever. It's dangerous,
2: first of all. <laughs> yeah, that,
3: that's what I'm saying. It's like, how do you explain some of these like that? It's like no idiot is going to go out there and go in the woods, especially if it's a guy who lives in an area where people hunt. You yeah. know. Yeah. Um, you know, it. You know, some of them certainly could be a shadow or a tree stump or a bear or. Even a horse's ass. I mean, you know, if you saw, I mean, that sounds crazy, but <laughs> no, I get it though. I, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I know a couple of instances where a guy said, you know, the only other thing I could think it was is seeing a, a horse or something like at a certain. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know, that that's a you know, he, he's being sure. devil devil's advocate, but uh, but you know, I think that. It's almost more. It seems more ridiculous to try to explain away every single one of these things than to say that that there is something out there that exists that we just haven't proven yet.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you've uh, you've dedicated a big portion of your life to this. I mean, it's it's part of who you are, right? Uh, the monster hunter. Um, if it, it it'd be hard to ever disprove Bigfoot, and so that's kind of where. There's a little solace in this, but like if it ever came to that or you got to the point where personally you were convicted that there's no way this thing's out there, would you feel like you've wasted some
3: time? No, I, I wouldn't. And, and that's because of, like I was saying before, and in, in some ways I, I, it. If I was solely out to prove Bigfoot and that was my only, you know, narrow focus of this, yeah, I, I would feel like I've wasted a lot of time. But I, I, my appeal to this is more broad. I enjoy, I enjoy the stories, the legends. Um, I enjoy researching them, talking to people. I love going out into the outdoors, and this puts me in places I would have never gone, like by, you know, visiting a witness who lives some way out here, they invite me in their house and they take me out and show me some cool stuff and I go in swamps and all this, like, that is the reward. It's like, even if it turns out that I've been, you know, chasing nothing or what have you, it was really cool along the way, you know, and I, I met all these cool people and I mm. saw a lot of America and I saw the spookiest parts of of our woodlands and, and so I feel that makes me feel like I didn't waste time. If it, even if it does get disproven.
1: Sure. Yeah. Do, do you, um, do you ever, does it ever weigh on you? Like watching horror movies and writing, um, spooky books and visiting with these people. Does it ever get, does it ever weigh on you? Do you ever have bad dreams? I mean, how does that look for you as far as just, uh, like
3: your lifestyle, I guess. Yeah, it never really. Uh, I mean, I guess some of some. The only way it could be is like, you know, some people are traumatized by it. You kind of feel feel a little sorry for them or something that you don't have a better answer for them, you know, or mm-hmm. you know, you just you're. In some cases, I've I'm sort of like this counselor going, "Yes, you're not the only person that has seen something <laughs> like this." Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Trust me, um, but really, I mean, as far as it doesn't. I'm not scared by any of it or, or have nightmares because of it. I, I, at this point, even my office, and if you go to my YouTube channel, you can see a tour of my office There's monster stuff all over it. It's like, I just feel surrounded by that because I, I liked it as a kid. I like it now. And just the fact that I'm, part of my living is made from monster tales it's almost like this is this is great who would ever thought i could grow up to be a monster hunter and and make a living
2: (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's freaking cool man and you're a cool dude man it's it's been good to talk to you about this stuff and, and to kind of get to pick your brain and you have written many books about this stuff you're an authority on this stuff uh if somebody wants to read some of your stuff you know where can they go and find your books
3: uh well you can find all the info on the stuff i've done at my website at lyle blackburn l-y-l-e blackburn.com and uh my books are available on amazon uh, both electronic format and paperback and some are even hardback and uh you can also watch a lot of documentaries i've been involved in uh, through a company called small town monsters those are All viewable on Amazon Prime Video. So, and some of those complement. There's, there's like the Boggy Creek Monster documentary. It kind of complements my Beast of Boggy Creek book. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's visuals, there's reading, and uh, all sorts of stuff. So, definitely drop by my website, and uh, you know, you can get links to everything from there, including my band, Ghoul Town, and all the music's available everywhere. You know, iTunes and. Amazon, and, and where finer music is sold. Yeah, cool,
2: man. Uh, you actually have a pretty recent release uh, on the book front, don't you?
3: Yes. As a matter of fact, this is very timely because just today <laughs> my new book was released. It's called Sinister Swamps, Monsters, and Mysteries from the Mire. Ooh. And in this this one, instead of focusing on a particular uh, type of creature or a particular case i concentrate on the geographic locations of swamps and nothing is spookier and you know more fascinating than swamps so i I talk about a lot of the major notorious swamps around north america where uh, there's been a a long history of phenomenon which includes not only cryptids and monster sightings but uh, ghosts uh spook lights Strange disappearances, lost villages, um, plane crashes that crashed in these swamps they could never find, and all all sorts of mystery. So this was a, a fun one where I could kind of branch out and and embrace a much wider variety of spooky topics. And uh, so that's Sinister Swamps, and it's li- it was literally went live on Amazon today, and you can pre-order uh, autographed copies from my site. Ooh,
2: so. nice. I was going to ask you that if you could get some autograph stuff. That's cool, man. I'm going to check that check that out. That sounds <clears> real interesting. Do you have uh, merchandise, too, like T-shirts, Bigfoot T-shirts, anything like that?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I've got uh, <laughs> mostly Boggy Creek you know some boggy creek shirts but yeah the from my site there's my online store and that's where uh you know people, a lot of people want autograph books and stuff and then you know as, as well the the t-shirts and stuff because i do a lot of events you know uh, there's tons of bigfoot conferences there's the mothman festival so i, I go around and, and do book signings and speaking events everywhere so you know it's always cool to take uh you know, take the merch and the books and what have you.
2: Yeah, cool. Do you want to be solicited with people who have Bigfoot stories or encounters?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, I'm always open to to hearing of encounters and, you know, whether I, you know, just simply blog them for the record and or whether they turn out to be something that I would work perfectly in a book or a sub- subject I'm researching. I definitely am always... Uh, trying to take as many of the reports as I possibly can. Yeah.
2: Cool. Cool, man. Well, we'll be sure and link to your website and all that stuff down below. Uh, guys, go check out Lyle's music. We were listening to some some of it a while ago before we got on the phone with him. It's pretty cool stuff, man. Good, good rock vibes there and, uh, and uh, definitely will be checking out some of the books and stuff, man. But, uh, dude, we can't thank you enough for your time. I know uh, yeah. it's... Uh, it's probably gets to be a snooze fest to get on uh, for an hour and talk to a couple of amateurs all the time, but uh, <laughs> we appreciate it, man. And I, I can't tell you, uh, you probably know this, and this you have this effect on people. But, um, I had. Completely gotten over my fear of the willies of Bigfoot. And now that we've been talking about this stuff, (laughs) like I'm going to sleep a little closer to my wife tonight, you know? So (laughs) uh, she'll be appreciative of that, that, I guess. So, uh, (laughs) anyways, thanks lyle We really appreciate your time, man.
3: No problem. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Yeah, for
2: sure. Well, Tyler, I was really considering hunting the Washta Mountains. But I don't think I'm going to be purchasing an Oklahoma license anymore, sir. Let me tell you,
1: (laughs) one thing that didn't cross my mind that day was that it was Bigfoot.
2: I know. (laughs) You want to talk about something that's crossing my mind right now? That it was Bigfoot. Because this dude legit just described the place we went.
1: Yeah. And let me tell you this. Do you remember when we were like, you thought it was a bear, then you thought it was a pig, and I thought it was a bear after I got a, a look at it? And so we were like kind of debating like what we saw. Mm-hmm. And then you just go, I don't know what it was really, but that thing was moving through mm-hmm. the woods. Like it was getting it, dude. Like I know I know a, an animal can do that. We we uh actually talked to Brian Koch about how fast a pig is recently. <laughs> yeah, that's and, true. Uh you know, it's we know that this isn't a truth, but they say 30 miles an hour um in the mountains in the rocks if it was a pig there's no way
2: i don't think you know it's a good point like it definitely probably means it was a bear and or well i'm just saying
1: 30 miles an hour is no way but you know whether whatever it is man it was like it was just tearing through the woods you know it was
2: it did not like that we were there
1: let me tell you this though i really don't think i believe in bigfoot do you not but it but what i just experienced with lyle uh has got me questioning some things for yeah, sure. sure like it's got me it's got like this possibility thing creeping into mm-hmm. my mind I, d- I definitely would not have been a believer before this podcast yeah but uh well i was a pretty even keel kind of rational guy he it is. seems like you know what i mean yeah. so it's kind of hard to just think that as many people as he has interviewed that um you know like he said like something weird isn't going on yeah you know, it's weird, you know i man. think
2: that uh like, the world needs things like Bigfoot somewhat, especially since we're getting in such a, a time where everything's getting explored. I know everybody's like, well, you know, seven-eighths of the ocean has yet to be explored. Well, nothing lives down there, so it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. But, like, there's not a lot of places on land that people haven't gone and, 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 and looked at and explored, right? So, like, you kind of need these unsolved mysteries to kind of keep a little wild out there. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I kind of crave that idea of... uh I like to fancy that I would be one of the people who ventures onto the frontier. I don't know if that's the case or not. You know, it probably depends on your social situation and a lot of other things that happen into you, but like, say, 1850, right, or whatever the date is. Like, I kind of like that wild aspect. Um, Is that true or not? I don't know. But either way, like, kind of the big frontier now, you could say, is like this whole cryptid thing, right, where... I mean, what else is there to like explore that people are like, ah, oh, I don't know if that's even a real deal or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, you know, I don't know if there's an ocean on the other side of that thing, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just like, no, a,
1: you're right, man. it's a neat thing. I think about this a lot with trout fishing Yeah, because I'm like, man, it would be so cool to go there or here or whatever. Um, I mean, think about this. We went to the Gila last year <clears throat> and walked pretty much as far as we could possibly walk into the wilderness yes. and out, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And we get there, and there's campfires and nails stuck in trees, and it's like barrels, yeah, and it's like, and of course, these people, most of them are horsebacking in, mm-hmm. um, but it's just like, man, and I know the same thing happens like in some of these huge wilderness areas in the Frank Church and all that up north, you know, like mm-hmm. dudes are going you know thirty miles down a trail, and they're still encountering like firings and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's just it kind of is a little bit disappointing when I think about it because I, I think about these wild places that you could go and I mean I've got a book called Rocky uh Fly Fishing the Rocky Mountain Backcountry mm-hmm. I think is what it is and this guy is like he's all business man and he's just like a straight up like marathon hiker slash fly fisher and he'll like he'll do like 100 mile like through like from one road through a mountain range to another road and have somebody pick him up like after walking 100 miles and fishing, like, 25 lakes or whatever, and he'll Mm -hmm. fish them for just an hour sometimes, you know, and then, like, write down what he finds. And I think about that, and I'm like, man, and he's doing off-trail stuff. Like, a lot of this stuff is not on trail. He's just going off of maps and going, you know, hopping over from one another. And I'm like, man, that has some cool, wild stuff, but even that guy has been there. You know what I mean? Even that's not really a frontier anymore.
2: You want to know something that's kind of interesting is that it's not cool up until a certain point in time. Like, if I go somewhere, for instance, and I find, you know, like a a Coke can, I'm like, well, that's lame. But if I go and find, like, a piece of Indian pottery, that's <laughs> yeah. freaking cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I guess it's probably because it's a separate civilization from what we lived in. But even not that, like, sometimes I'll find, like, an old beer can that has like the pull tab as opposed to, you know, a regular, like, you know, the, whatever they are, the little eight looking things, yeah, you know? Yeah. And like, it kind of has like a little feeling of like, oh, that's neat, man. Like somebody way back in the day, like, well, for instance, we find a ladder stand on public land, we're ticked. Yeah. You find an old wooden stand, you're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> it's real weird. You know, you, you kind of have like these predetermined, uh, I don't know, biased against like human interference with stuff. (laughs) It's
1: true, man. It's true. I didn't think about that, but it is the truth, man. And I've never found an arrowhead. So I'll just go ahead and grow. (laughs) It's in that pity right there for sure. Um, Man, you know, as far as, uh, I really appreciate Lyle coming on, man. That was cool. And I know this is like, Probably not in the vein of what normally he's able to kind of promote his stuff through, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, whether that's a thing that he wanted or not, he was, he still agreed to do this and we appreciate that. Um, yeah.
2: And if you're into, into the stuff, go buy one of his books or something. <clears throat> like, uh, I think I'll, I'd like to buy a book and maybe a t shirt, you t-shirt know, like having cool. a Bigfoot t shirt would be cool, especially if it's like legit, not just like something you pick up in Hotchtown. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, I had cool.
1: a, um, Sasquatch, um, Shirt, uh, whatever that Sasquatch show was, I can't remember what it was on. Squatch Discovery. Hunters. Uh, so no, it was? it was it was full Sasquatch in the title. I think I can't remember. Anyway, I had a shirt though. It was like a big Sasquatch on it. It was cool. You know, there's a a place that Lyle has spoken before when he was talking about um, his the play, like his speaking engagements at like different festivals and stuff. Or I guess he was just talking about different festivals that arise. But there's there's a place in Oklahoma. And they don't pronounce it this way, so excuse me, but it's called Hanobia, H-O-N-O-B-I-A. I think yeah. is how it is. Some
2: WMA up there, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I think yeah. there is. Um, a lot of that stuff is like uh, forestry land, mm-hmm. and we, my dad, <laughs> kind of got a wild hair one year, a couple of years back, several years ago, not too too long, but a few years back, um, he kind of found, came across this like bear <clears> lease, <throat> super cheap. Um, you know, lease or whatever. And I guess it was on some of that forestry land, uh, or not, uh, you know, like timbered land or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, he like paid for me and him a spot and we went up there and, um, put out, uh, bait barrels. And it was like, it's based on like a quota system, I think, you know, but, um, you, you know, we were going to get a chance to maybe shoot a bear in Oklahoma, yeah. you know? And so we put out these bait barrels and like chained them to tree, bought all the stuff, put game cameras out and never went back.
2: There's cameras up there still,
1: I mean, they're probably taken at this point because yeah. they're at you know these sites that we kind of had to tell the the organizer where it was, you know, the guy mm-hmm. that kind of organizes all the people on the lease or whatever. but like I'm sure they went and got them or whatever, but like we we never went back. Dang. I know kind of stinks. It was one just... of those deals where like <clears throat> because of the quota, there was only like there's only a couple of days that you are gonna probably be able to hunt bears mm-hmm. you know. And so, uh, since we weren't able to make it that year, um, we just never went back and got the stuff. There could have
2: been a Squatch on those cameras.
1: Could have been. That's, uh, I mean, that, that Hanobia, there's a festival there that's like, it's like the Bigfoot capital of that whole area. Hot dog. Yeah. So... Is that a
2: self-proclaimed thing, or does somebody give you that? I, it's a big
1: deal. Look it up. Yeah. It's a big deal. Like, there, when when he was the talking Bigfoot. about the thousands of people that show up to festivals, he was talking about that town, I think, because it's a, it's weird. There's nothing there, and then all of a sudden this Bigfoot Festival comes in, and like RV parks light up and everything. That's cool. Everything. So, yeah. Anyway. I bet you
2: there's some cool, you know those lights people hang outside their RVs? Yeah. I bet you
1: there's Christmas some cool lights? Bigfoot.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, but it's not Christmas, you know. Yeah. Probably some cool Bigfoot ones yeah. on those RVs. Imagine they're just all cool.
1: Kinds of cool Bigfoot stuff. I bet. I think it gets weird out at some of them festivals. I imagine. Yeah. I imagine. Um, so the question that I'm going to pose as we leave here is, I'd like for you, you out there, to let us know through social media or however you fancy letting us know. Do you believe in Bigfoot and why or why not? I'd like to hear what some people have to say about this. And if anybody has a story, I would like to hear that. Oh, too. Yes. Send us an email. Oh yes. I want to see that. So anyway, uh, don't forget to do that and remember this is your element.
2: Living it.
0: Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors, and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly, edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up It is where the adventure begins.